Hi, this is Kyle Heath. Welcome to episode three of No Techno Bubble. This week, how some salespeople future-proof computers so they can make more money out of you. There were some air quotes in that as well, you might have noticed, around the word future-proof. What does that title mean this week? Well, what we're going to talk about is how it's very easy to get sold things based on a risk that might happen in the future actually isn't something you need to worry about and you're wasting your money. And that's what I want to help people with. Cost is always a big issue with IT. I mentioned that in the first and second episodes that IT is perceived as a cost many times. And it takes a little while for any of us to move away from that mindset and to change. So for this episode, let's run with that assumption that we see IT as a cost. And therefore, we want to be making sure that we get the very best value for money for whatever we do. One thing that always business owners tell me, and I know from my own experiences, every time you need to make a change in IT, it seems like the cost is really, really high. And so that makes you wary before you even get started that you're going to get you're going to get fleeced, you're going to get gouged, you're going to have to watch that someone doesn't take advantage. But one of the things with humans is that we love to be sold to. And when we've made a decision we're going to buy something, we can be very easily sold to and get carried away because we've got the mind of, okay, well, I'm going to spend the money, so... And you find yourself putting more in than you needed to. And particularly, I'm talking about unscrupulous salespeople here and people who work in the IT industry, and by that I mean third-party companies, such as one that I used to work for myself, that sell services into other businesses. So this isn't your IT manager, this isn't your person in the business who looks after the IT if you've got one of those people. This is a company that you go to who look after the IT for you. The people you go to for expert advice. These are the people I'm talking about. And sometimes they have unscrupulous salespeople whose agenda is to make as much money for their business as possible. Now, all of us understand that we, as said, go into business with many a reason. And one of them is to enable financial freedom, to make profit, to make money. And that's absolutely fine. And I totally understand that. And I also run my business with the purpose of making a profit and making money. I'm not going to hide from that. But there are ways you can do that ethically and by right by your client. And there are ways that you can do that to profiteer. And what we're talking about this week is where that lends itself to profiteering. And in particular, I put in the start in the title of this, the word future proof. I've seen people sell IT systems based on future proofing. If you invest in this now, you'll future proof yourself. And therefore, you won't have to spend any money for this number of years. That appeals to us because it's painful enough as it is to spend money. So when somebody says to us, yes, if you spend this now, you won't have to have this pain again for another three years, another five years. Well, it's attractive. Why wouldn't you want to avoid that? It sounds like you're going to get good value, longevity out of what you do. And you're going to avoid the painful part of putting your hand in your pocket, which without being flippant about it, hurts us as humans we don't like doing it It causes us pain and distress in our mind and we it's uncomfortable for us it's why we find it difficult and reticent to buy things until we convinced ourselves that we are comfortable and we feel like it's the right thing to do how does this roll back into the world of it well future proofing once made sense in it 
it really did. Back in around 2003, this was a sensible thing to do. And here's the reason why. If you bought a laptop in 2003, it probably would have spent near £1,000 on it in those days for a laptop. And that's no small chunk of change. The benefit of IT back in those days was primarily inside your building. It was all about the computer you had in front of you and the network that you had it connected to in your building. The the internet was relatively in its infancy. Broadband was relatively in its infancy. The real power was the computer in front of you. So that meant the the CPU that was in it, how much memory it had in it, how, how fast it could go, how much stuff it could do at once, how much things it could store. That was really where the power was, the leverage in your computer. So if you bought a computer in 2003 and you spent the £1,000 on it, you were pretty fair of mind to expect that to last to 2006, 2007 before you needed to spend again. That was a fair assumption to make and it was the right thing to do in those days. So in 2003, if you spent £500 on that laptop, the chances are it would not even last half as long as the £1,000 one because that's not how it works. It would actually be, it would have been pretty poor to start out with, and it would have only just met what you needed to do when you owned it. By six months down the line, it would have started to have slowed down, and within a year, you'd have been really frustrated with the thing, and it would have been causing you all sorts of grief. Back in those days, I recommended people make the bigger investment at the start. It would have been more than they needed to have at the time that they needed it there and then, but they would grow into it. It was future-proofed. A year down the line, it would still be performing above and beyond what they needed. A year and a half in, it would start to equal out. Two years, it would be slightly slower than what they'd expected. And at three years, it would be where they get to the point and go, okay, I think I've had the value out of this. You're right. It's time to get another one. That worked then because it was all about the power of the computer that you had in front of you, the power of the system that you had in front of you, and therefore you wanted to make sure that you bought a little bit more than you needed so that over the period of time that it lasted, you could make it work. If you've got small children, you'll know that when you buy them shoes when they're toddlers and little ones as they're growing, you can buy them a size that's a little bit bigger than their feet are, not too much because that would be a waste, a little bit bigger than their feet are, and they grow into the shoes. That's well-known. They grow into their clothes. It's a well-known thing, because you're looking to future-proof. If you buy the shoes that fit perfectly now, in two months' time, their feet will have grown, and they won't fit any longer. And it's that analogy that I'm trying to make. Not only was it about the power of the machine 15 years ago, but it was also about the software. Most people would run on their computers in their offices things like Microsoft Office and they'd use Sage Accounts or Sage Line 50 as it was known to do their accounting. Those are two examples of very common software that was run on computers. And that enabled you to do documents and spreadsheets and PowerPoint presentations and do your accounts and print some files. Very common office tasks that were done in those days. That software didn't change very often in those days either. There were no new features particularly added. Office 2003 came out around about 2003, and it lasted until Office 2007 came out, five-year gap. Sage would produce a new version of their account system every year to meet taxation changes and regulation changes, but pretty much it looked the same as it looked the year before. They added a little feature or two. There was really not much difference. They were very interoperable, or they worked together well, as you might want to put in layman's terms. Again, this complemented it making a lot of sense for you to buy a computer with an idea of a lifespan of four to five years, make an investment because not what you were going to do with the computer wasn't going to change much, what the software that you used was not going to change much because you'd bought it, it came on CDs, you installed it, 
it might have had what we call in the tech world a service pack. And what that means is there's a bunch of things that fix bugs and things that don't work properly in it. And that's what a bug is really. A bug is a bit of software that doesn't work properly. So every year, Sage or Microsoft would release a set of files that the tech guys would install on the computer that would fix any problems. But it wouldn't add any new features. It wouldn't, it wouldn't add any new ability to the software that was static it didn't change so you could easily predict as a tech person for your customer if you're going to continue to do this with your business over the next x amount of years you can buy these computers they'll last you that time the software you've bought will last you that time and it was pretty easy in those days to to predict what someone was going to do over a four to five year period it wasn't really that difficult and the difference between the computer that was future proof and the computer that wouldn't make it for five years that would let the client down was around two or three hundred pounds and so it was quite a no-brainer to get people to make the investment and it was the right thing to do it's not like that anymore now there's a problem because the whole concept of future proof is broken and here's why let's imagine you're with a young child around the age of 10 could be your child could be a family friend it doesn't really matter the child says to you who's driven the car the fastest in england now you've got two ways to answer this if we assume that you're not jensen button you can get and purchase a set of encyclopedias or you can use wikipedia the books will cost you serious serious money hundreds of pounds and they're going to go out of date from the moment they're printed But if you buy them brand new at that point in time, they will have the answer to that question in them and you will accurately be able to answer that question for the child. You can also use Wikipedia. And I'm going to jump in here in case someone's thinking in the background, oh, Wikipedia is edited by the public. It is not accurate. I'm using Wikipedia as an example of an online service. It could be from a proven reputable source if you want it to be. So I am using Wikipedia for that purpose only. You can access Wikipedia on a tablet that costs under £100 via the internet and you can answer the question. Now, the bit that's different is in six months' time, if your child asks you again, has anybody driven a car faster in England since I last asked you? The encyclopedias are not going to be able to tell you that because they're static to where they were when you bought them. They haven't changed. They can't change. Wikipedia can change. You can search that up and you will find Yes, somebody has done it faster. And my point here is this. The tablet is what you need to do the job. You can invest in the lavish books if you want to, and you'll feel good about the books, and you'll look impressive to others. But actually, it's a bit of a waste of money, and it's not going to give you what you need to do to answer the question to the child every time they ask it to you every six months when you see them. So how does this analogy spin back into the world of IT? This is what's happening now when you're advised by a salesperson to buy a future-proof computer. You're buying the set of encyclopedias. And here's why. Because all the tools that you need to do everything now are online. The power of the actual computer itself is not as relevant as it used to be. It's not even 50% of the relevance that it was in 2003 through to around 2010. I've got myself, I have a MacBook Pro. I bought one of these five years ago and I'm still using the same MacBook Pro now. And it was over a thousand pounds when I bought it and it's lasted me all this period of time. Now you might be saying, well, are you not now actually showing 
the contrarian point of view to your own argument, Carl, here, that this is future-proofing for you. Well, actually, no. What I'm showing is that this computer now that is five years old is being able to deliver me what I need to do, not because of the longevity of the actual computer and its performance power, but actually because the majority of what I do is based in the cloud. Now, for those of you who might not have listened to earlier episodes, I'll recap on the cloud. The cloud is really a marketing term for thousands and thousands of computers that are stored in great big buildings run by big companies like Microsoft, Google, or Amazon. You are getting, and you connect to them from the computer that you've got. So the processing isn't done on your machine. You don't need the most powerful machine. You connect to a load of more powerful machines. They do the thinking for you and send you back the answer. Now, if you think about it, if more and more of the things that you need to do are based in the cloud, they're on the line, they're on the internet, you are making a request, sending it to a big room full of computers who think about it and send you back the answer. Why would the computer that's in front of you need to be super powerful any longer? Actually, all it really needs to do is have a nice display that looks nice on your eyes. It's probably light to carry around if it's a laptop. Perhaps it's quick to start up in the morning for you so that you don't wait a long time while it starts up. Those are the things that are more important to you now. The fact that it's not RAM jammed full of massive computational power is because you don't need that any longer because you're not installing software onto it and asking the machine to do the thinking. You're asking bigger computers to think on its behalf. It is, to use a Greek term, you are proxying it off, which is why in the world of IT you sometimes see the world proxy server. And you hear about voting by proxy. Proxying is to hand something off to somebody else. And that's what's happening with your computer. Most people don't need a computer now that lasts for five years. And certainly if you're the business owner, the managing director, the finance director, the CEO, if you're at that level, if you're senior management board level, you certainly don't need a computer that's going to last you five years. And here's a key reason. In fact, here's two key reasons why that's important. One, what you do doesn't require masses of processing power and speed and performance. Because actually, when you run a business or you lead, you tend to make decisions. And decisions are based on other people processing data and information for you. Rudy Giuliani famously said, in God we trust all and all others bring data. That's what people do. They bring you data and then say, make a decision on this call. Yes or no. What should we do? I've processed this for you. You make the call, boss. You're in charge. So when you lead a company, you tend to make decisions. And decisions doesn't require a lot of processing power. It requires thought and critical thinking. And that's different. The next point, the second point that's important is technology goes out of date very quickly. Anybody who's bought a car in the last 15 years will know that now. Nobody buys a car now and expects to keep it for 30 years any longer. Not unless you buy the car and you park it in a garage and don't put any miles on it and you're buying it as an investment like a piece of art. If you buy a car and use it, you don't expect to keep it for 30 years. Because in 30 years time, the technology in that vehicle will be woefully out of date. And you know, anybody who owns a vehicle from the early noughties from 2003 again, have a look at the sat-nav in a car from that era. They're absolutely direly, desperately horrible things to use. You can't touch the screen. They're not intuitive in any way. You have to push buttons. They don't. They they don't. They only have postcode acceptance. Uh, when you've used a modern telephone with 
you know, an iPhone or your Android phone and you've used Waze or Google Maps or Apple Maps, and then you go back and use a sat-nav in a car, it's pretty much a joke. So it gives you an idea of how, how fast technology moves. So you would think, I'm not going to buy a car and keep it for 30 years because it's going to be out of date. I'm going to buy a car and have it for, for five years, and then I'm going to trade in and get another one that's new and get all the new safety features, all the new electronic features, all the new intelligence that's in the vehicle. Can you see now where I'm getting at? Why would you want to buy a computer and get it future-proofed? Because it would be like the car. It's no point in doing it. Really, what you want to be doing is looking at your computers on a basis of having them from about two years based on what it is that you need to do in that short period of time frame. Now, that means you will spend less now, and in two years' time, you'll be able to change the computer that's more suitable to whatever it is that you want to do. And the speed in which technology changes, what you might need to do in two years could be very radically different from what you're doing at the moment. And this is particularly relevant for you, as a, again, as a leader of the business, because it's very easy to get sucked into moments of ego. Why do I say ego? When you're the boss, you sign the checks. And if your company's got some money and you're the boss, you're the figurehead, sometimes your ego says, I want the best shiny computer ever. People would sometimes say that to me about my MacBook Pro. Then I'd say to them, look, I had it for five years, and here's all the things that I do on it. And when I showed them all the things I did on it, they kind of went, oh, okay, I can see that there's a practical use. Was I buying it to flex in front of people? I, I wasn't. No, it really was the best computer for the job. But I've met MDs who've got MacBook Pros, and they barely do anything on it. I've met loads and loads and loads of business owners who've got Surface Pros by Microsoft. Now, there's nothing wrong with a Surface Pro. Surface Pro is a lovely device. It's a, it's a Windows-based tablet with a nice clip-on keyboard. It's really light. It's a lovely piece of aesthetically beautiful technology. But when you've got it in the hands of an MD who literally uses it to open their email and look at one or two spreadsheets of some numbers and perhaps go into the CRM system occasionally to run a report, is, do they really need a Surface Pro that retails at around £1,000 to do that? Or would they have been better served to have invested in a less expensive desktop with a lovely screen at their desk in the office and you to have helped educate the MD how they could use their mobile phone to access and make decisions on information that they receive while they are not at their desk because everybody has a mobile phone. And I would argue that those kind of people would be better off spending their money on a good quality phone, a really, really good quality phone, because mostly... Those people are traveling, moving, talking. They're either with employees, they're in meetings, they're traveling, they're selling. They are not generally sat at their desks. And if they are sat at their desks, then they can have a desktop computer that doesn't cost as much money and is perfectly adequate for the job, fit for the job. And this is where I'm coming back to. As technology moves forward, more and more of us are going to do work in the cloud. More of what we do is going to be where we send the request to the big computers in the data centers. They think for us and they send it back to us. That is that is the cloud. We have got Google G Suite. We have Office 365. We have Zero taking over from Sage for accounting. There are CAD design packages that are in the cloud. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of these things, YouTube, all in the cloud. We use them all the time. They are not processing on our computer. They are all in the cloud. And that's the direction everything is going. So why would we need to buy an expensive piece of equipment for somebody when you want something that actually does what they need to do in the job? You can buy it for less money if you only spec it out to last for the one to two years in the future that you need it, i.e. what you're going to be doing in the short term. And then after that short term period is gone, then you can have a look at what you're going to do 
next and invest in the next thing that's suitable. It might not be a laptop next time. It might be a tablet device for that person. They may have changed what they do. And remember, well, you might say, well, what, Carl, if the computer gets slow in two years' time? But remember, less of the processing power is going to be required on the computer and more of it's going to be in the cloud. The more of what we work on will be processed away from our devices and in the cloud. Think about Alexa. Think about um, Google Home. When you say, OK, Alexa, and get it to do something, that doesn't happen on the local device that's on your desk. It gets sent up to Amazon's thing, and it looks at your voice pattern, and it works out what you're saying, and then it sends you the answer back, determining what you've said. This is the same concept. Technology moves rapidly. 2013, the iPhone 5S was released. You have a look at a 5S iPhone now in comparison if you own an iPhone X or an iPhone 8. Have a look at it. It looks microscopically small, like a blooming postage stamp it looks really small because technology moves so rapidly so the idea of future proofing was great 15 years ago but now it's the wrong thing to do and so you should stop thinking like that and if you get salespeople that try to sell you that the reason they're doing that is really for their own selfish desires they're appealing to your ego as the owner of the business or the person who signs the checks that you want a machine that makes you look better in front of other people. That's playing up to your ego. Oh, I'm the boss. I've got to have the best computer. But you know what? That usually doesn't work because other people in the company might not have as good a computer. We'll look at you and go, oh, I see. I see where the money gets spent. It gets spent on you. It doesn't get spent on me. It generates resentment. It doesn't, sh it doesn't cause people to admire you. It causes them to resent you. And actually, by buying a computer that's fit for the purpose for what you need to do or for any group of people for what they need to do, you are showing that you make wise judgments and you understand what you're spending and investing in in the business and you buy people the tools needed to do the job correctly over a given period of time that's acceptable one to two years. You know, we do have to plan for some things. I'm not saying that you can buy everything and not plan for anything. One to two years is an acceptable time frame. But what you are doing is you are showing people true leadership because you are not playing to your own ego. You are buying what you needed. But the salespeople, the unscrupulous salespeople, will try and sell you the Surface Pro plus the clip-on keyboard plus the mouse plus the doozy leather carry case that goes with it. And you don't need all this stuff. You don't need it. I mean, this is going into a whole different area of discussion. And it's an area that somebody I admire greatly, Gary Vee, talks about, about these kind of things where you're playing to your ego and you are failing when you play to your ego what you want to do is do the right thing do the right thing that shows leadership to others because what you'll get from your people then is respect and when you get respect people will go that extra mile for you they'll do more for you you will you will have to use less of the stick and you'll get more of the carrot and you'll get more out of people and this is really really important so how do you get out of this vicious cycle of being scared about buying the wrong equipment and it not lasting and, and how do I get into this whole cloud thing? Well, that's probably too big a question for this episode. But what you can start to do is have a look at the number of apps that you use that run online instead of on your computer anymore. How many of them come on when you open up Google Chrome or Internet Explorer or Firefox or any of these web browsers? How many of your apps that you need run in a web browser? How many of them can run in a web browser? So you might want to ask your IT people, okay, I've got this Outlook installed. Can I have Outlook that runs in a browser? And yes, you can. So they'll help you with that. If you're a kind of person that uses G Suite by Google, and that's the thing that you use, use Google's products, well, you can have a Chromebook. And a Chromebook is a very 
cost-effective laptop device that connects to the internet and runs the Google Chrome browser. So anything that you could do in Google Chrome, you could do on a Chromebook, but you can't do things like install Windows software on them. Doesn't do that. That's why it costs less because it doesn't do everything, but you don't, if that's not what you need, then it's a great investment. If you can run your business out of Chrome, then you can have Chromebooks. And Chromebooks are great because they're very, very cost effective. They don't store any data on them. They're about the most secure laptop you can get. Again, I'm not going to go into that in this podcast, but that's a widely held and proven fact that you can check out. They're very, very secure. If you're the MD of a company and you do need to maybe install some software on your local machine, do you need to have a Surface Pro by Microsoft? Or actually, could you have a Surface Go by Microsoft? It looks the same. It feels the same. But it costs about 50% less. Why? Because it's not as powerful. It isn't. It hasn't got as fast a CPU. It hasn't got as much memory. It isn't as powerful as a Surface Pro. But you know what? If you're the person in the business that's mostly traveling, making decisions, looking at some numbers, maybe writing an email or three, do you need the really powerful computer? Or can you actually have the very lightweight, easy to carry, compact Surface Go and use that and show others that you don't spend money unnecessarily, that you aren't ostentatious or driven by your ego, that what you actually do is care about getting the right things to do the right things. And then you invest the money in the people that really need the tools in your business. Now, you might turn to me and say, but what if my computer slows down? What if I've outgrown the tech in two years and I've got it wrong? What I say to that is, if in two years' time that you have outgrown that tech, it is too slow for what you need to do. It doesn't do what you need it to do. Replace it. Technology does one thing. It gets faster and faster and it gets cheaper and cheaper. The balance is you will be able to get the latest technology at that point and invest at that point it will be better value for you to have spent twice than it will to have spent once larger up front and then buy technology that's going out of date and depreciating on you. You will be better off making that investment the second time around if that is the problem that you'll face. The next question that I often get asked is, you're wrong about this cloud, Carl. It's a fad. No. What if this cloud disappears? I'm not taking that risk. Okay. A lot of people say this, but here's where I'm going to put it. I put my head on the line, my neck on the line. It's not going to be. The cloud is the hard trend. There's a book, a very interesting book you can read called Flash Foresight by Daniel Burris. And he talks about something called hard and soft trends. A hard trend, for example, is the move away from fossil fuels to renewable fuels. A hard trend is the move away from diesel and petrol-based combustion engine vehicles to electric battery-based vehicles. These are hard trends. Who's going to win those journeys? We don't know at the moment. There is a hard trend that is we're going to move away from self-driving vehicles, vehicles that we drive as people control, to self-driving autonomous vehicles. That is a hard trend that's starting. We don't know again. No, who's going to win that journey? It could be Apple. It could be Google. It could be Ford. We don't know with the electric vehicles who's going to win out and have the best. Is it going to be Tesla? Is it going to be Renault? Is it going to be Ford? We don't know, but we sure as hell know that investing your money into diesel technologies is is not going to be where the future is. The future is going to be in electric-based vehicles with batteries and then other ways of storing the energy, but they will be electric-based vehicles. Hard trend. Cloud computing is a hard trend in the same way. In the same way that mainframe computers gave way in the late 1980s to PC computers on desktops, So, since about 2010, has 
the power of local computing given away to cloud computing. It has gone from on the desktop back into the data centers, back into the big mainframes, back into the big computing, and that is where it will sit for a while. Will it come back out of there and go back to us again? Probably, maybe. I don't know when, but I do believe now that the direction is going to cloud and it's not going to change from that for the next 10 years. That's a long time in technology. But it's clear that you should note this because it's not going to change. Accept it, whether you like it or you don't like it, that that is the hard trend that's happening. Embrace it and move on. It will benefit you and your business to do so. Where does that leave us now towards the end of this episode? Stop thinking about investment in IT as future-proofing. You can't future-proof. It's too far away. Think about the short to near term, one to two years. Don't be put off with buying something that isn't the top of the range as long as it's fit to do what your business needs it to do in the next one to two years. If you are the owner of the business or you are responsible for purchasing, or you are an influence in purchasing, or you make that decision, and the salespeople from your IT provider try to sell you a Microsoft Surface Pro with 16 gig of RAM and the fastest processor and the leather case and all the accessories, ask them why. Ask them why you need that as the leader of the business. Are they playing up to your ego? Are they trying to get money out of you because you're the boss and you can afford to spend it and they know that there's a nice little margin to be made in you every single time because when the boss gets a new laptop, we can make ourselves a nice 40% commission on that hardware. Don't let people play you up like that because that's what they're looking to do. If you want to be a leader of a digital business, if you want to show other people that you know what technology is valuable for and that you can use it correctly in your business, don't let that one get hold of you. Get the device that fits what you need to do. And if your provider, the person you work with, can't do that, then maybe you should be talking to somebody else who you can trust, somebody who genuinely has your interest in heart. Because all of us can make a great living by helping each other ethically and in the right ways. We do not have to gorge, gouge, and fleece each other in order to do that. There is plenty to be done in the world ethically and in the right way. I'm going to wind that up now for this week that's the end of episode three how some it salespeople future-proof computers so they can make more money out of you i hope it's been a helpful episode for you and you got a lot out of it again you can follow me on at that technology guy on instagram and you can visit my website at kimberly.com and you can leave on the soundcloud page any comments that you want or you can get in touch with me directly. I'd love to hear what people think. Are you listening? Am I sharing anything that's valuable to you? Let me know. If you've got any ideas for a topic that I can talk about, let me know, and I'll do that. And I'll see you again on the next episode. Bye.